welcome to the Depth Here NBA podcast. My name's Sean, and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Buffer. Mr. Buffman, man, how are we? So good. It's uh, it's mid-sem break at yeah. Latrobe, so there's only like seven people here. So statistically speaking, we're a large portion of the Latrobe population today. Is that, is that is that the goal every day? or? Well, I mean, you know, it's just a little bit of a novelty. Like, right, you know. Right. We're Shorter lines at the cafe? Yeah, 100%. I got my um, coffee and my muffin like that. For those of you who maybe didn't hear, I just clicked my fingers, like snapped it. Like Anyway, right. it was no line, so. All right, that's good. Good vibes. Good vibes. Um, yeah, no line hasn't been good for me. Uh, no one wants to fucking hear about our morning. Um, <laughs> no lines haven't been good for me because I've had three coffees just because I go, oh, I don't have to wait. I'm just going to rock up. It'd be rude not to. It'd be rude not to. It'd be rude not to. Someone's got to have the coffees. <laughs> it's Writer's block's going to go out of business. It's this probably week an off day. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Fuck. Good guy, Sean. Good point. Yeah, good guy. Anyway, anyway what are we doing today? We are going to hit a little bit of news and then some mailbag questions. Of course, you knew this, bro. It's on, it's on Mail, the run yeah, sheet. Yeah, I just wanted to check if you knew. Oh, yeah, cool. All right, well, let's start off with the biggest news of the week so far, which is Bucks general manager John Horst getting fined for tampering. Um, he got fined $50,000 for publicly stating at a season ticket holders event that they are going to offer Giannis the Supermax. Um, this comes a week after the, or two weeks after the new tampering rules that Adam Silver and the Board of Governors brought into the league. And I really think that they've just missed the point here. Like, Obviously, you have to set a precedent here. You have to come out and say, look, it doesn't matter who you are. We're going to enforce tampering. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. But the fact that the biggest news and one of the, the biggest things leading up to this decision by Adam Silver and the Board of Governors has been all this talk around Giannis. And Milwaukee and Giannis are such a case study because it's a small market. It's you know, arguably the best player in the league right now. And he's two years away from his contract ending where he's about to become an unrestricted free agent. And the whole point of tampering is like these guys should stay in their small market and there should be complete parity across the league. And the fact that they've come out and find – it's like they find the wrong guy. Like they're, they're coming out and they're finding John Horst who's like probably sweating his nuts off right now thinking like I hope we can keep Giannis two years from now and I hope these tampering rules can like give us a tiny little edge to keep our superstar player. And they find John Horst for saying something that is hardly like tampering like – it would be stupid not to offer him a Superman. I don't, I don't know how, I guess it's $50,000 worth of tampering, but it's just, they've missed the point, I reckon. Yeah, well, the rule was designed to find the Magic Johnsons of the world, not the John Horsts. Yeah. But also, in finding John Horst, you just made, you've just increased the maximum possible fine for tampering from five to $10 million, <laughs> And then you come out and you're like, this is tampering, Slap we're fining you $50,000. Like, yeah. uh, $50,000 under a $5 million max designation is nothing mm. and then you know under a 10 million dollar it's double nothing so yeah. yeah i kind of agree with you that that you know you've missed the um like missed the point here but also like this sucks for the this sucks <laughs> for the bucks because john horse is supposed to come out and say uh like we're throwing our full support behind our best player mm. we're gonna do everything we can in our power to bring him back and not only has the NBA ruled that that's illegal and said, you know, you can't actually say that he's a $50,000 fine, but then Giannis comes out and said that it's disrespectful. And considering how there's been a consistent, like I've never really bought into it that much, but the, consistently the last three years, it's been like Giannis might look to get out of Milwaukee. He might not be here forever. The Bucks really have to maximise his 
window, their window with him now. Mm. And now he's saying like it's disrespectful, implying that the GM's been disrespectful to the other teammates. Like you, what a shit week for John Horse. Yeah, I mean you want to get Giannis on side as much as possible, and then if he thinks you're being disrespectful to his teammates, to his boys, mm. no less, then pretty fucking shit outcome. Well, obviously not this one. Not this one comment is going to change Giannis's decision, but it's just a, a tiny little smidgen move in the wrong direction. Yeah, I mean if it's indicative of his mindset or the potential direction that his mindset towards the Bucks and the front office might go, it's bad news, especially with the whole, um, yeah, we've talked about it a bit on this pod about uh, like Brogdon leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Giannis wanted Brogdon to stay and they didn't shell out for him. He's gone. It doesn't really fit into the whole idea of like maximizing every drop of value you can get from this current team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's obviously pretty insignificant this little comment by horse and then by Giannis but you hope that it's not sort of representative of something more that's going on behind the scenes or that might go on behind the scenes yeah and he didn't come out and wink on Jimmy Kimmel like he was at a season ticket holders event with just local media and just like Kyrie came out at a season ticket holders event and said I'm going to be back and he was lying but (laughs) <laughs> I mean, what's the difference between him saying that or an agent says, oh, this and that? Or what if a coach says, like, well, like he's a really good player. Like, where's the line drawn for tampering there? Like, if saying to your own season ticket holders that pretty much their investment is safe, that that's what he's saying. He's, yeah. He's just patting – everyone's just patting each other on the back. Um, what's – it's just not – But I wonder what the wording was and if the wording was different. Like, if, if – you know, if John Horst said – we will offer Giannis the Supermax in the 2020, what, 2021 offseason. Mm. That's tampering. But if John Horst said, we're going to do everything, everything we can him. to yeah. bring Giannis back and to keep this team going, and you, the season ticket holders, will have a great competitive team for years to come. Is that tampering or is that just mm. you saying, oh, boys, we're good, yeah. we're good? Because cool. if that's the case, then, you know, like you hope that the NBA doesn't start to lack over legislate this because yeah. you can't really go from like literally no like oversight on this and everyone can say whatever the fuck they want to you're getting fined you know and like admittedly an insignificant amount but for saying something that was like completely insignificant mm. John Horse, the sacrificial lamb of the NBA's tampering rule <laughs> yeah oh well uh, into other news with all the media days slowly happening it's actually good to see them slowly getting broken up and it's not all just one massive yeah. like cluster of dudes behind a, in front of a white background. It's I just actually... want to quickly say, because um, we're not going to get the chance to talk about this later on and I have to get it out. <laughs> Two things about the Suns Media Day. There's a photo <laughs> of DeAndre Ayton, Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker all standing together and it, oh, it was so crisp. I just loved it. The burnt orange, it was just... Oh, the new jerseys. Visually stunning. And then the second thing is, why is Ricky Rubio in the picture? Like, is Ricky Rubio seriously going to be our third best player this year? Which, if that's the case, mamma mia, this could be worse than I thought. Um, Well, just to make you a little bit happier, did you see the jersey reveal? How they were wearing the white jerseys and, like, the paint sort of blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. So cool. It's just so nice. Anyway, Suns Media Day. Hang on. Is DeAndre Ayton going to be your second best player? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, if he's not... Yeah, you got bigger issues than Ricky yeah, Rubio. Ricky Rubio is the team. least of our problems. I just thought maybe... Yeah, I don't know. 
um, maybe Ubre would be our third best player, or maybe Mikael Bridges takes a leap. Who knows? Maybe Sarich. Maybe yeah. Maybe Sarich. Maybe Cam Johnson comes onto the scene with a splash. Anyway, we're off topic. That was a pun. So Team USA and Brian Colangelo had a couple of people wandering around the media days, uh, just sort of going around, seeing if anyone was interested in playing the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. It seems like quite the PR stunt because if you're going to ask any player if they're going to commit to uh, playing the Olympics, the best time to do it is a year away when there's really not that big of a commitment. Nevertheless, uh, there are quite a few big names who have said, yeah, I'll be interested in playing in Tokyo, uh, including but not limited to Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, Bradley Beal, and Paul George. Of course, this goes along with Steph and Clay and Damian Lillard, who have all said they want to play. And Dray- I think Draymond Green put it well, who he said he was interested in playing. Um, but Draymond said, quote, I think it's, co- it's them seeing America lose and not bring home the gold has lit a fire under everyone. And I think the fire that he's alluding to is as hot and as bright as it's ever going to get right now. But we'll see a year from now if Anthony Davis goes out in the conference finals, if he's really going to be bothered getting up and going, like if he wasn't this year when he was allegedly healthy or if any other of these, any other of these names come out. Yeah, but I mean, it's also the perfect setup for them because it's like they literally just got to take the off-season, this off-season to do nothing. And now it's like, all right, well, if you get... 12 All-NBA players on the same team. Like, of course, they're going to go to the Olympics and win the gold medal. Mm. And then it's the Olympics, not the yeah, uh, not the World, the World Cup. Cup. And then you just get to have a World Cup winners, uh, an Olympics, you know, like an Olympic gold medal. It's just a PR layup for everyone. Yeah, it's a PR layup for legitimately all of these players. And just looking at the names who um, Brian Coe, as his friends call him, Brian Colangelo. And, uh, You're and, his friend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not anymore. Not after what happened with the Sixers. That was, I, I drew the line there. I was like, Brian, I'm cutting you off. Um, so AD, Jimmy Butler, Bradley Beal, Paul George, you mentioned Dre. Just looking at this, AD, Bradley Beal, and Paul George strike me as players who would just be perfect in FIBA. Beal and George can just transform into like the ultimate 3 and D wings. AD can post up or be a pick and roll dive man mm-hmm. who just like destroy all of these um, all of these like Euro centers or like random Nigerian guys. Um, and then with the ball in the hands of you know Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, I feel like Jimmy Butler could be the odd man out here because we've seen time and time again that when Jimmy Butler is forced to have the ball out of his hands that really diminishes A, his role um, his effectiveness, but also he's a bit of a fruit loop, a bit of a loony tune when it comes to that sort of stuff. So he might be agitating for a bigger role, but in a team where you've got, you know, potentially the two best point guards or like, you know, two of the five best point guards in the league, um, in Curry and Dame with the ball all the time, like it doesn't make sense to give hmm. Jimmy the ball. Okay. Well, in researching for the pod, it was funny. Um, I was obviously writing down the Draymond quote. And I was just thinking, because someone like referred to him as like a an Olympic veteran, like he's been there before. And I was like, hang on, like Draymond's been there before and he didn't play that much. He was at the end of the bench because he put his dick on Snapchat. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> I do. So everyone's like, oh, you know, let's let's get this thought from a veteran. And I was like, oh. Yeah, the bloke who put his own dick on Snapchat. And probably had to like, imagine the awkward conversation when you had to sit, sit down with Coach K and explain what Snapchat was to the old man and explain why his genitals were all over social yeah. media. Coach K, like, who's also legitimately like 70 years old <laughs> and genuinely probably the most conservative person I can possibly imagine. <laughs> like, he used to be in the army. Yeah. He used to coach at the army. Jeez. 
Jeez, that would have been an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Pop's more progressive in that in that yeah. sense, even though he wasn't the Navy himself. Yeah, yeah. Two, you know, two military men through and through. Hmm. And not modern military men either. Like, <laughs> we're talking like, this is back in the day. This is back in the day. All right. Uh, more news. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets have said that Kevin Durant is expected to miss the entire season. This is, isn't really news, but I think it's just nice to see Brooklyn going about an injury report correctly because I've got a little bit of a, a little bit of a problem here is because Golden State, how they have treated injuries and Kevin Durant's injury throughout the finals was, uh, um, he's expected to come back in a week and then it's like, oh, he's expected to come back in two weeks and then it was always like, oh, um, he's a game time decision for game two of the finals and game three and obviously he came back in game four, was it? And then um, did his Achilles. So, Golden State, they sort of promise hope and then they over-promise and under-deliver and it's just, it just makes sense to say from the get-go when you're Brooklyn, he's expected not to play and if he does happen to play in the last month, that's just you know found money. On to the next piece of news, which is uh, Bob Myers, Golden State, has said that Clay Thompson will be out until at least the All-Star break. And we talked about the news a couple of weeks ago how there was some anonymous doctor... Uh, small time doctor, small doctor, <laughs> small, small in stature, uh, <laughs> said that Clay Thompson should be out for at least two years, and then I've said that he's probably going to miss a year. It just makes sense. There's no reason to rush. There's no, you're not trying to entice Draymond to resign. There's no reason to compete this year. So the fact that Bob Myers has just put hope in Golden State fans like myself and said, oh, at least the All Star break, and then you go, oh well, the minimum is the All Star break. That's great. We might be able to make a, you know, a playoff push with Clay, and he's, I'll, I would wager that he's not going to come back till maybe a month before the playoffs or definitely after the all-star break and a lot a lot after the all-star break it's just seeing these two headlines right next to each other where look kevin durant's not going to play oh and if you do it's found money i'm i know i'm just i'm really nitpicking right now but it's just i love golden state but not the way they go about injuries and reporting of injuries yeah it's definitely fair enough to be upset at golden state in light of what happened with kd about you know, the reporting of injuries. Mm. Um, the same sort of thing happened with uh, Mr. Two-Year Injury, Gordon Hayward, in his first year at the Celtics where they left the door open <coughs> and the coverage around for like, Hayward to come back later in the season and the coverage around it was like, oh, like this team is doing pretty well and then imagine if they get Hayward back. And that coverage obviously, um, you know, affects the way that media personalities, are, you know, and other team executives are looking at the Celtics, but it also would affect the way the players looking at the Celtics. Like if you rule someone out and you're like, he's not coming mm. back, this is just what we have now, then your mentality is like, all right, well, we just got to do what we can. But if you're constantly waiting on someone like, we've just got to get through to the all-star break, maybe then Clay will come back or maybe and then, then Hayward yeah, will come back. Yeah, it's Jason Tatum like worried about someone going to take his minutes. Yeah, it just means like, if this is just going to be the team, then just like lock it in and say it's going to be a team and like you say, it's found money. But I think not ruling Clay out for... um the whole season is, I think it's, you know, like good because it's an ACL that he suffered in June. Mm-hmm. So if he comes back in, just trying, I'm really bad at maths. I'm trying to do it Six in eight months. If he comes yeah. back in, yeah, March, that's nine months. And it's, yeah, like it is a six to eight month injury in the NBA. Like you see people come back from it. A dude in the NFL, Emmanuel Sanders, did it. And six months later, he's, you know, like back on the field playing like he you know like literally no drop off so not Mm. to say that it's like apples to apples but 
it's not like footy where it's a completely debilitating, devastating injury. It's going to keep you out for you know a full calendar calendar month. Mm. Sorry, calendar year. So I think keeping the door open is good, and they could go one or two ways. Like either you know um, Clay's coming back, and it's like a big boost, and you can bring him off the bench for your playoff run, and it's like oh no, the Warriors got Clay back, or you know like worst case scenario, you don't bring. You're not making the playoffs. Like something goes terribly wrong, you suffer an injury to Steph or D'Lo or whatever. Mm. You can either sit him and say we'll we'll keep it safe for this year and bring him back, or like last two months, like no stakes. You just bring him back in and play him, you know, 15 minutes a game so that he can kind of get himself back into game shape in a, mm. like a low stakes environment, and then you know build on that with a strong off season and come back with your whole team just ready to go for the 2021 yeah, yeah. season with Robert Covington. Yeah, with Rogo. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think um, I think it's a good decision by. I, I actually like the way that Bob Myers has gone around this, yeah. but obviously there's a bit of a bad taste in some people's mouths because yeah. I think consensus is that the way they handled the KD situation left a lot to be desired. Mm. Um, and there's still, you know, I know we talked a little bit last week about Bill Simmons conspiracy theories, but there's still the unanswered question of like, uh, did they know that the air quotes, calf strain that Durant suffered in um, the playoffs was... A bit more. A bit more than that. Like, it's yeah, it's still fishy, that lower calf strain, and everyone was like, that looks like an Achilles. He could be done. And then they're like, no, 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 it's all good, it's all good. It's a calf strain. Yeah. And then he comes back and one quarter in yeah, pops his Achilles. Anyway. <laughs> On to the next news. More injuries. Cheery topic. Paul George is expected to miss the month of October which includes preseason and the start of season. Uh, this would mean, at a best case, he misses the first six games of the year. But at a worst case, he actually, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he alluded to both shoulders. And I just thought he had one, I thought it was one rotator cuff, but he, he said multiple surgeries, multiple shoulders. Um, so worst case, there's something a bit more here. And it's never nice to see a player miss the start of the season. Obviously, preseason doesn't matter much. Uh, we saw today with uh, James Harden with a halftime triple double against the against the Baby Sharks, led by Demarcus Modiunis making a return against Houston. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, it was really rough for Donovan Mitchell. I know at the start of the season with Utah to come back after not playing for the first month or two, or sorry, not playing in any of the training camps, and sort of just having to jump in and just get right back into the groove from day one. So. Uh, for fantasy players out there, this might be uh, Kawhi Leonard' uh, little boost to the start of the season, and might rocket him up some rankings if that's anything. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, I mean, Kawhi is going to be the number one offensive option on this team, but taking away the numbers, so there was no never any contest or like you have to worry about two players sharing the controls. But there's now no like clearly defined number two, mm. so. You know, maybe that means Kawhi takes on half of number two's portfolio, and you know we see like an, a through the roof usage rate. Because mm. if you know, it's true that we think he's healthy, like fully healthy, maybe for the first time in the last eighteen months. Then could see him unleashed playing thirty eight minutes a game until Paul George comes back. Would oh. be wouldn't be a terrible thing for the Clippers, or you know, if anyone in fantasy People wants to take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, um, I've heard of worse things. Next bit of news is Willie Cauley-Stein will miss the start of training camp and preseason. Uh, this leaves Golden State with four rotation players on their roster that are going to be playing in the preseason and most likely at the start of the season in Steph, Draymond, D'Angelo Russell and Kevon Looney. 
three, four established uh, rotation players. That's a nice starting four. <laughs> I can't wait to see how those guys go. we the box. Yeah, just, not just even the box. boxing one, just a box. Just a box. It's yeah. Like, um, it'll just be about treading water and hoping that Smiley Gooch comes in and <laughs> hits the ground running. Yeah, we needed a couple of rookies to hit from day one. Yeah. And hit as in like Nick Young production, not even hit like Donovan yeah. Mitchell production. Yeah. Well, there's um, you know, Swaggy P. Yeah. Swaggy like, Pool. Yeah, Jordan Pool is like literally a Nick Young clone. Like, <laughs> like if you could just make Nick Young like 13 years younger. Personality, game style, I think they're even the same size, like they're six, six, five, six, six. You're not really exciting me. All right, let's move on a little <laughs> bit. Um, Miami and Eric Spolstra have a, have agreed to a four-year uh, contract extension. Not much to say here, but what a brilliant segue into the start of our mailbag. It's a great segue. We're going to kick the mailbag off. We've got a couple of questions today. So First organic. question is... <laughs> From Dion in Melbourne, who asks, who are the top three coaches in the league? Is Pop still number one despite not making consistent playoff runs? What do you think, Sean? Um, well, let's talk about the Pop thing at the start. Um, I think it was a bit of a... It was a bit hard to play a lot of bigs because obviously they had Miles Turner, who was their probably best and more traditional big and then say what you want about one of the Plumleys and Yeah, this is at the this is at the um World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. And um oh is this was that was Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's got stuff written down in the World Cup, so you're gonna hear it regardless. <laughs> um and Brooke Lopez shooting stretch fives don't really play too well on FIBA. We've sort of learnt that in the in the world of Jonas Valentunas. Oh <laughs> FIBA J V. <laughs> Daddy. Um, so I think you can't really fault him for going small, especially when going up against France in the game that they lost. Miles Turner was talking like absolute trash and saying that Rudy Gobert didn't deserve to be a defensive player of the year and he's not that good. And then obviously Miles Turner just could not do a single thing against Miles Turner Rudy didn't Gobert. even make an all defensive team. No, no. And Miles Turner's only like career accomplishment is leading the league in blocks and mm. then he they didn't even think highly enough of him to get him on the all defensive team. So yeah. shut up about the two time defensive player of the year. So when so it's more necessity is a mother invention. So when your best centre isn't playing that well, you don't really want to look to a Plumley, um and Brook Lopez and his sort of prototype doesn't really play well in fever. You sort of see those highlights where it's Rudy Gobert posting up Harry Barnes and like I like Harry Barnes, but you know it's it's fever. It's really big centric, and Rudy Gobert is really good at basketball. So, can't really fault Pop for that. It's more the people that are on each roster. So if we had, if Miles Turner was backing up Anthony Davis, for example, or someone like that, then it wouldn't really be Pop's fault. So I'm not I'm not going to fault Pop for dealing playing with the hand that he was dealt. But yeah, that's the end of my sentences. So that's, <laughs> so that's Pop in terms of. His recent performances, though, and he has struggled with the Spurs in the last couple of years, you know, post Kawhi to like really, really make a dent on the playoffs. They took the Nuggets to seven mm. in round one, but it's still a first round exit. The youngest playoff team in the playoffs that year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they yeah, so they were a seven seats. So obviously, the, the deck stacked against them. Mm. Um, okay, so your top three. Uh, I'm going to start off with Mike Budenholzer, who obviously won 61 games with the Bucks. They were. Leading the league in wins, points per game, offensive rating, and rebounds. And they were fourth ranked in offense, second in threes made and attempted. Um, going back to Brook Lopez, he completely, completely revolutionized Brook Lopez, um, turned like a, a post-up big who could shoot a couple of threes into a seven-foot Clay Thompson. 
Uh, he's found really good value in deep bench guys such as Pat Connaughton and George Hill and even just looking at rookies like DJ Wilson who he arguably could have played more. Mm-hmm. The only knock on him is that he is a regular season coach and he's going to get you these amazing like numbers in the regular season and heaps of wins, but he'll play Giannis like 34 minutes a game where it's like, look, well, what, what are you resting him for? You may as well just play Giannis 48 minutes. That was a bit weird, but... yeah. I'm not going to fault him. He's been able to revolutionize the offense and make Giannis the player he is. So that's my first pick. Um, I actually, I'm not really going in order just for a bit of preface. I'm just saying yeah, three th- names. I've got mine in order. Okay. I've got Pop at, three. At, no- at number one. Yeah, Pop's still the Mac Daddy of the NBA and yeah. he is going to be at the top until, you know, until proven otherwise. And I think, like you talk about... Um, Coach Bud being just like like a revolutionary mind when it comes to like the way that he can style an offense in the modern era because he did it with the Hawks as well in that, the you know the early part of this decade. Mm. Um, Pop, yeah, Pop is just the last twenty years he has been just like half a step ahead of every trend. The Spurs were the first team to really start exploiting the corner three. They were the first team in the like the. Uh, like not the space and pace, but the clunk and junk 2000s <laughs> to really prioritise ball movement, spacing and turning that into open shots. Um, and since Kawhi's gone, he's had two of the most anachronistic players in the NBA on his team, <laughs> in the Marcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. And he has not only like survived with them, but he's thrived with them and empowered them to, you know, like De- DeRozan came to San Antonio and Pop was like, yeah, anyway, if you don't want to shoot threes, that's fine. And so DeRozan's putting out like his second lowest career output of, of threes. Um, and they're still like taking like two pretty, you know, DeRozan's good, Aldridge is not that good anymore. So taking these two like okay leading actors and a bunch of like weird wacko spare parts and turning them into like a six or a seven seed every year. Hmm. So I think, yeah, Pop's body of work, five championships speaks for itself. And yeah. until... Someone like you know, definitively knocks him off top spot. I'm going to keep him there. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I've got Pop up there as well. And then my third coach would be Steve Kerr. Um, a lot of the same reasons as Pop. He's, and he's just come in. And it's not like where Jason Kidd took over the Bucks, had him had an amazing season, and then the league sort of figured him out. Uh, Steve Kerr took over Mark Jackson, who, I mean... Yeah, he's took, he took over Mark Jackson and completely re- revolutionized everything. I love revolutionized with coaches. Um, changed Steph Curry into Steph Curry. And even when, you know, you're missing KD or you're missing Draymond or you're missing, like, a couple of their pieces, they're still getting out there. They're still running. They're still jacking up as many threes. And for the first couple of years, while in Golden State, they led the, they led the league in threes made and dunks made. And it's just hyper-efficient and... Again, until he proves otherwise, he's just going to be up there. The only thing I can knock him for is in Game 7 of the 2016 Finals, he threw Festus Sezili on LeBron and he fouled him twice on three-point jumpers. Yeah, that was never going to go that well. Was, <laughs> that was never going to go well. That still haunts me. He's, Kerr's also really good in terms of like the locker room stuff, though. Mm. Managing such a rambunctious team that has so much potential for things to go wrong with, you know, someone like KD, someone like Draymond. Um, and, like, they did clash. Like, Kerr's clashed publicly with both of them. They've both publicly clashed with each other privately. I'm sure it's the same situation. Mm-hmm. But to be able to keep everyone marching to the same beat, you know, with a team as kind of diverse and wild as this um, is, yeah, that's definitely an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I've got, rounding out my three, 
Uh, I really struggled with the third one because I think there's like a whole bunch of coaches who are kind of like that second tier. Mm. Um, but I've gone with Eric Spolstra, who we talked about, just got the new contract extension. Mm-hmm. Obviously, his greatest success as an NBA coach has come when he had the best player in the world on his team. Mm-hmm. But in the, he, you know, he, he proved that um, he can he can handle that. He's won two rings, uh, been to the finals four times. In the years since LeBron left, so we've got, we're going on five years since LeBron left to go back to Cleveland. He's consistently turned out um, good teams, good defensive teams with sneaky bad rosters. Like they've never had, <laughs> yeah. like Goran Dragic is probably the best player that they've had since LeBron yeah. left. And Goran Dragic was is, injured and there was Justice Winslow at the point. Yeah, so he's, you know, he's, <clears throat> he's um had to deal with like a not very good players and then B players who he's relying on like when they when they went on that thirty one and ten run to finish the season in I think two years ago and Dion Waiters was like a key contributor. Like A, that's bad enough. But then B, <laughs> Dion Waiters went down and they were like, Oh fuck, Dion Waiters is gone, which is just terrible. Mm. Like terrible that they're relying on that. But they still he still found a way to kind of churn them out. And then last year Dragas goes down and they're like, Well fuck it. Winslow, you're our point guard mm. now. And now it's like you're probably going in to this season thinking that Winslow is going to be your point guard just as much as Dragic is. Mm. So I think Spo gets the nod. There's a couple others who are like that, that kind of tier as well, like Bud, Nick Nurse, Brad Stevens, you know, all, all guys with the same kind of resumes. But yeah, I've given Spo the nod. Just one final point on coaches. It's getting, it's a bit hard to rank coaches and rate how coaches do because you look at Brad Stevens who, you know, people in Boston were calling the president and it's like, yeah, everyone loves Brad Stevens. He's an amazing coach. But then Kyrie just hates everyone and everyone hates him and the team just combusts and they don't win as many games and they're not as good. And that's not Brad Stevens' fault, but he's coaching alone. Can't really turn that around. Yeah. Can't really turn, can't really turn around a bomb from Kyrie. It's, but it's also like because there's not as much like in-game decision-making for coaches other than like substitutions and like out-of-timeout plays, which is like such a small, <coughs> such a small part of each game. Um it's really difficult to quantify what exactly what value a good coach brings. Mm. Um, but then at the same time, like you watch a team with a bad coach and you're like, this team has a bad coach. Mm. Like watching the 2016, 17 Suns with Earl Watson as their coach, <laughs> you were like, yeah, I don't know what he's doing, but it's not good. <laughs> Whereas you watch, you know, like you watch the Warriors play, you watch these mm. teams with great coaches play and you're like, you can tell that they're a good coach. Yeah. But there is like a definitely a limited scope in terms of what they can do because yeah, Brad Stevens is powerless to stop Kyrie once he actually steps on the court. And even in the locker room, like, you know, someone as singular as Kyrie, like... Hmm. He should be able to overcome that. Yeah. All right, next question from Sean Conlon, friend of the program. He asked, when does Bradley Beal get traded and for what? Um, so I love this question because I find the Bradley Beal situation really interesting. He Washington came out and said that they're not going to be looking to trade him. This is their with Bradley Beal and... I mean, they didn't tamper, but they probably inferred that. Yep, they're gonna they're gonna re-sign him after next season when his contract's up. But I think that is it's a bit like the AD situation where David Griffin did an absolutely wonderful job. I know it wasn't really his fault he that Anthony Davis didn't get traded halfway through the season, but you look at some of the offers that were there halfway through the season, and they said, "No, nope, we're not interested." Look, LA, we want we want everything. We want we want everything, right? And then they said, no, we don't want to do that. Uh, so then, you know, all New Orleans does is wait six months. It comes to the end of the season. 
they were lucky enough to get the first pick so they didn't have to trade it to, let's say, if New York got the first pick, but they were able to look around and say to LA, well, we want everything and that fourth pick that you just got, which was absolutely BS, but yeah, we want everything and that. And LA looked around and go, well, we sort of have to do it now. So Washington, I reckon they're not not going to trade him, but they're going to be waiting till the best offer comes and they're going to probably wait till next offseason because as we know, the free agent class next offseason, like the best player is Anthony Davis. He's a sure thing to re-sign almost. Um, and then the second best player was Draymond Green, who just signed an extension probably a month ago. So teams are going to look around and everyone's hot off the buzz of all this player movement last offseason that we just saw. And they're going to say, well, well, how are we going to improve? Like, how do we get that difference maker? And in steps Bradley Beal. He's the only sort of star, fringe superstar on the roster who can come in and is tradable. So there's going to be a lot of teams lining up to get him. He, yeah, he's on a reasonable contract. I think the contract design was like five years, 120. So mm-hmm. he's on about 25 million a year, 25 to 30, which is in that sweet spot for a lot of teams where if, they wanted to do like a one for one, like, you know, like not that this would ever happen, but if someone with a big salary like Kevin Love, mm-hmm. they're like, all right, we can just chuck Kevin Love in the trade and it matches up, you know, or a team like Miami with a whole bunch of like eight to $14 million salaries could cobble together enough that they could make an offer, throw in a pick, you know. Um, the interesting thing with Beal is that they've offered him, you know, a three year, $111, uh, hundred, yeah, three years, yeah. $111. Yeah. That's Pretty cheap, pretty cheap by then. <laughs> nice, one hundred and eleven million dollar max offer, yeah. uh, which is the most they can offer him now because he's got two years left. He's declined it as he should because mm-hmm. if he just uh, waits a year, he'll if be he, old, yeah, if, yeah. If he waits a year, he can sign a longer deal, and if he makes an All NBA team, he can sign a super max, which will be more money in for him. So there's no reason why he's going to lock himself down. Yeah. But the other flip side of that is, you know, if he locks himself down, takes the money now. If in six months the Wizards are shit, which they will be because rookie forward Rui Hachimura like, might be their second best player, <laughs> which is fucking saying something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he's got no leverage, whereas if he waits and he's like, look, I've got 18 months left on my contract. You yeah. can keep me, but I'm not re-signing. I'll play next year, but you're not going to get any value. And if you don't get value for me, but I'm still on the team next year, you have to build around me. There's like... It's just like worst case scenario. So he can pull an AD if he wants by, um, yeah, by saying, like by, by not accepting, but staying on the team. Mm-hmm. So because you alluded to it before, and I hit it before when we we're talking about Team USA, because he's kind of a really versatile, dynamic player on a team where there's a, like a ball dominant guard or a ball dominant forward, he can kind of fit into that second banana, third banana role. But at the same time, we've seen what he can do with a full season as alpha dog like he did last mm-hmm. year. It looks like 26, six and five on really good efficiency. Almost third team All-NBA on yeah. a bad team. Yeah, he was, it was, you know, he was probably the 16th man out of a 15-man All-NBA yeah. roster. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the team that was linked to him uh, like a couple months ago before all of the off-season drama went down was the Lakers. And he'd still be really, really good on that Lakers yeah. team. But the only problem is because they gave away all their picks to get Davis, the only asset they really have is Kuzma, whose salary doesn't match up and it's, it's not enough. You yeah. can't just offer Kuzma. And, I don't and know. Say, ne- never underestimate how stupid the Wizards are. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you, you would hope that those days are over, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't seem... Doesn't seem like they will be. The weirdest thing about the Wizards, though, just like quick sidetrack, is that Ted Leonsis, who's the owner of the Wizards, the 
Washington Capitals or Nationals yeah, or whatever really good. hockey team is like the best yeah. hockey team. It's like the Spurs of the NHL. Anyway, he, <laughs> he owns them both, and one of them's a complete dumpster fire. Um, so we haven't actually answered Sean's question. <laughs> <laughs> I think if Bale gets traded this year, it'll be in January, uh, January, February, uh, when there's been four months... The Wizards are sitting 14th in the East. Mm. There's no help. He's putting up great numbers, so his value is not going to get his value is peaked. It's not going to get any higher than it is at that moment. And they can just, you know, hopefully there's some team that, you know, by the same token has had four months to figure out, like, oh my god, we were supposed to be a, you know, we were supposed to be a fringe playoff. Yeah, fringe playoff team. We're sitting 12th. That we need to do something like, you Mm. know, maybe like a team like Minnesota. They've got like playoff aspirations. They're sitting, you know, 11th or 12th. They're like, we could make a push. This is the time. We've got salaries. You just throw like, you know, I don't know, you throw Wiggins or like Gorgie Deng's contract in and then you give him two first round picks and you call it a day. Mm. Something like that. Well, I've got a couple. I've got four theoretical trades with no, I haven't got any structure. I didn't chuck them in the trade machine. Yeah. But how would you like it in next off season if... The Hawks are really ahead of where they think they're at. They've like Trey has just exploded. Maybe like De'Aaron Fox did last season, but a bit bigger. John Collins has come around. It's like the Nash Stoudemire, and they're looking really good. They've got young. They've got assets in young players on their team, like maybe Cam Reddish. How would you like a trade to Bradley Beal to Atlanta? Yeah, I like that. I think for that to work, one of the wings that they selected in this year's draft, so Reddish or Hunter. Hunter would have to be really good right away. Yeah. And that would be the one that you have to give up. It'd be like the Brown Tatum situation, but you would have to give up the one who's better in order to make that deal happen. Yeah. Which if you're comfortable doing yeah, I mean, be a lineup of Beal Trey Young, Beal, Trailer, Collins and Hunter, yeah, Collins and like I know Alex Center. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, random center or, or you you bump Collins to the five and play like Yeah. You know, Evan Turner or something. If like, the cost is Kevin Herter, like two picks, like maybe a good pick and a bad pick. Yeah, if it was kept, if it was if it was insert young player, so it was one of those three young wings, yeah. Herter, Hunter, or Reddish, and then a, like a good pick, like a top three protected lottery pick. Yeah, and then like a top. No, let's say Atlanta are fringe playoff this off season this season mm-hmm. um, and it's like the 12th pick. You chuck in the 12th and a yeah. future protected. Yeah. I reckon that could get it done. You go 12th and then you go lottery protected and that, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. This there you go. There you have it. Done. All yeah. right. Well, do I need to go through my next three? <laughs> if you want. Uh, okay. Hey, it's, your po- it's your podcast. What if? No, it's our podcast, Dante. <laughs> so what if halfway through the season, okay, see, uh, you know, a couple of games above 500, they're really meshing well or you just cringe a little bit. They have every asset under the sun. We obviously know how many picks they got for the Russell Westbrook and Paul George trades. They've got, imagine like Chris Paul, like if they just give up no current value, maybe throw in Shea and some of those crappy picks. But then you've got Chris Paul, Bradley Beal, um, insert wing, uh, Gallo and Stephen Adams. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it as much because I don't think that that will happen. I don't, I don't think, think that'll, that'll be a situation. That's, that's all we need to say. Uh, the Miami Heat, if you could somehow put something together around like Goran Dragic and future assets, and then listen to this, listen to this one to three. You got Justice Winslow, Jimmy Butler, and Bradley Beal. That's a good team. But just don't look at the four and the five. Yeah. Kelly Olinick, 
Yeah. Oh, bam. Uh, Actually, no, James. And you probably need matching salary there. I don't know. If Beal's at 25, to get to 25, <laughs> you need, you would need Dragic and Johnson or Dragic and Olenek would be. But yeah, but if you're, yeah. Yeah, if you're getting offered they anything need, from they OKC. They need to throw in two pretty lightly protected picks as which well. Which they don't actually have. Yeah. Okay, they might so need to throw in Bam to get. I mean, because you need a few. Yeah, a, Beal, blue, a blue chipper. Beal is good enough. This is why I don't. This is why I don't think it would happen. In even I don't if, think it would happen either. Even if OKC was in that position to do the trade you just talked about, though, because I think in their situation, Beal is good enough that he like could put you over the hump for a championship team. But we've seen what happens when Beal is like the leading man, and it is a thirty-two win season. So a team like OKC is going to try and find someone bigger and better than Beal to attach themselves to. But also in that same vein, Chris Paul's better than Tomas Sadaransky, even though I do love Tomas. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, then, yeah, what, I know then what happens when Chris Paul retires? Oh, you jump right on the treadmill of mediocrity. Yeah, you're back you into the, for yeah, a joke. the 11 first round picks in the next five years. Like they're looking at it for, you know, like big, they, big, big they're trying to get run. the next LeBron. The All Miami right. one's interesting because... Do you want to do you want to hear the most interesting one that is going to happen? Mm. Okay, good. Um, I really didn't want to talk about Miami. He, in my opinion, could push Denver over the line to become a championship team. So you've got a consolidation trade is just waiting to happen here because you've got all the wings in the world. Michael Porter Jr. is coming back, whatever that means. Also, a report this morning of Media Day is MPJ deleted all of his social media accounts. He's been reading books. Okay, so you got. A Amazing. deal based around Gary Harris um, and like Michael Beasley, Malik Beasley, and or uh, Michael Porter Jr. and throw in like a pick here or there. I don't think that gets across the line. Really? I think if Jamal Murray is not in there, it's not happening. Well, Jamal Murray is never going to be in there. He's untouchable. Yeah, I don't think that's happening there. Would you? You wouldn't get Jamal Murray to get Bradley Beal? No. Two years of Bradley Beal on no, twenty-five million. Because you're just moving sideways. Like if you're Denver, you're trying to win a championship. Beal is better than Murray though. Right yeah. now, and he's only 27 or something, 26, 27. Yeah, but we're the same age as, um, what's his name? Yeah, but you've got two years of, like, Beal's contract is better than Murray's from next season anyway. Jamal Murray's 21. Yeah, I know, but once Jamal Murray's max kicks in, he's only like 32 million a year. That's all right. Yeah. Because you're going to win a championship with him and Beal. <laughs> I think Murray and a pick... Like an unprotected pick would Murray's get done. Murray's not getting moved at all. Though. Well, that's what I mean, though. Washington's going to be like, listen, you have to give us Murray or we're not doing it. So that's not going to happen. I don't think so. I, I reckon Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr. and like two picks could do it. Because if, let's say... Maybe. Because Atlanta's not going to do it because they're focused on the long term. Okay, so you have no reason to do it. Miami's fun, but it's really hard. And if, if Miami is the only other contender, it's like, well, do you want Gary Harris, who's like 27, and this prospect in Michael Porter Jr. and picks... Or do you want Kelly Olenek, James Johnson, and like a pick in like 2027? The enticing thing about the Miami offer, though, is obviously you don't get enough immediate value, but by taking on those salaries of players who are 100% not going to be re-signed, you can <coughs> kind of just be in a holding pattern for the next 18 months until those players expire, and then all of a sudden you've got all this cap all space. the cap space in the world. Your and young John players Wall. have had to, yeah. Your young players have had, you know, two years to kind of like come into their own. You've got some picks, and you're kind of, you know, excluding John Wall's albatross contract yeah. and albatross personality. You're kind of a blank slate, and you can start again. Whereas if you take, you know, like Harris, Beasley, and Porter Jr., and they only hit like sixty percent of what you think they might be possible for, they might be possible for them to hit when you trade for them. Then it's like. 
well, now you've got their salaries locked in and you're stuck again with an average team. Like, I think well, if you're trading away the superstar, you're never going to win. Like That's sort of a known thing. If you're giving yeah. up the best player, you're going to lose the trade. Yeah, so I think, you're trying to scrape up value. I think that I think that the Denver trade that you talked about is definitely doable, but I just think when there's an asset like Murray in there instead of someone like Murray's, Harris, Murray's not in there. no, that's what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> saying I think Washington is just going to say like, if you're not giving us Murray, we're not giving you this All NBA caliber player. Well, what's and, out of all those four trades I just mentioned? What's the best asset? Shea Gillis Alexander, probably. And if he's not, because if okay, so you don't want to do that. Can Atlanta offer anything better than Shea Gilgis Alexander or OKC's first round pick this year, the 2020 first round pick? Okay. Because that could be a I, top five pick. I'm willing to bet you a handshake that Bradley, <laughs> Bradley Beal ends up in Denver. Okay. We're shaking on it for those of you at home. <laughs> we just shook. This is this is serious. Wow, we should do a video, like a video podcast one time so you guys can see the absolute magic that happens in the studio. <laughs> Physical touch. <laughs> Yeah, I think <laughs> it's possible. I don't know. I, I think it would actually push them over the line to contention. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a fucking good team. It, it's, it's a good team. And because there there does need to be a consolidation, consolidation trade here regardless because mm. there's too many cooks. I don't know where Michael Porter Jr. is going to find minutes, but he's got to outplay... Um, Who's that dude that used to play for Portland and loves jacking up shots and he's really snaky? Will Barton. Will Barton. He's got to play outplay Will Barton, Malik Beasley, Tory Craig, um, Jared, Jared Vanderbilt, Bilt, yeah. um, Juancho Horn and Gomez. Like, there's too many cooks. Yeah. And it, you can never, like, obviously you can never have too many good players, but you've got too many good players. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the next question. <laughs> yeah. Because we're just going to go in circles. <laughs> Once you open the Denver can of worms, there's such an interesting team, like it's yeah. impossible to get all those worms back in the can. <laughs> get in there, worms. <laughs> Someone that I know, their cat's name is Worm, which is just a bit of a weird name for a cat. Anyway. Uh, next question is from <laughs> Josh, who asks us, outside of Boston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and the 76ers, I'm going to throw Indiana in there as well <sighs> to make it five. The top five seasons. That was my answer. The top five seasons in the East. That's your answer. Indiana was a fourth seed last year. Like they're, they're he didn't like, mention it in the question. Yeah, well, I know. Okay, I've got another answer. Yeah, good. Which Eastern Conference team is building towards being a contender? In other words, like who's going to be the next team that can make a serious run at like a top two seed in the East that's not already in, in the that top five, five team mix? So since I can't say Indiana, we've got two teams, and only two teams because the East is pretty sad. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, um, Atlanta and Chicago. Yeah, amazing. That's exactly that's, that's, that's my teams. All right, let's move um, on. <laughs> no, let's talk about it. I gave an honorable mention to the Magic because if... Why? No, because well, think about it. In a world where, stay tuned for this later in the week for the blog, Markel Fultz is okay. I'm a big believer in Jonathan Isaac. I think he's going to yeah, be really yeah, good. Yeah. Aaron Gordon's already good. Yeah. Bamba is hey. a <laughs> Bamba like, you know, who knows? Maybe he gives you nothing, but you still got Vucevic on, yeah, on, on a physical potential. Vucevic on a good contract you can build around that. That's a that's a pretty decent team. I don't think that will happen because I think Gordon will probably get traded. I have to wait and see from Fultz and Isaac's not someone who's gonna like lift a team on his own. But there's pieces there. Um 
Yeah, and then the Bulls. Well, you know I'm high on the Bulls. They yeah. might even be a top five seed this season. Yeah, I mean, if the Bulls... I shouldn't have said that. That's wrong. <laughs> if the Bulls click with their two young um, bigs, Markinen and Carter Jr., and then you've got um, Zach Levine penciling in for 23 points a game, yeah. and then if Kobe White is even remotely okay... Well, as if a, Kobe White's good two years from now because Sadoransky's going to be starting. Yeah, I'll, exactly I'll, right. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think I think it's Atlanta. I think Atlanta's like yeah. the clear cut, like like a little bit above both of those teams. In, but in, in writing this, I got really excited for the 2022 conference finals between Atlanta and Chicago. Man, imagine. Well, it's going to happen. It's going to be sweet. Trey Young against versus Kobe, Kobe White. White. John Collins versus Markinen. Zach Levine versus all of the wings on the Hawks. And... Um, Thaddeus Young's big contract isn't going to be there. So, so all the negative things that yeah, he I've said got, don't yeah. matter. My favourite NBA team is the 2022 Bulls. That's my favourite NBA team. Someone asked me who you go for. I'm like, I go for the 2022 <laughs> Bulls once that Young's contract comes It's actually Bulls. amazing how quickly, because I used to hate the Kings and I wasn't a big fan of the Bulls with their three alphas. And it's amazing how much those two teams have turned around and you and I are big fans of the Bulls and Kings again. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, also you mentioned the three alphas, and it's like that is Wade, Rondo, and Rondo Jimmy. and Jimmy. Oh, I mean, I know hindsight <laughs> is twenty twenty, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> someone actually thought that was a great idea, and they were like, "Hey, let's bring in this coach." Well, it from was, was Garpax, and everyone was like, just demanding that Garpax get fired, and yeah. they didn't get fired. And I thought, "Oh, I hate this," you know. The richer getting richer, and they're just staying in their job. But they did a fine job from going into yeah, well, from there a questionable season. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, okay, so just let me play devil's advocate quickly. Yeah, Jim Boylan is the Bulls' head coach. There's no evidence that Jim Boylan is even a remotely okay assistant coach, let alone a head ho- head coach. Three days into his tenure as Bulls head coach, there was a players-only meeting in which they discussed. They didn't do it in the end, but they discussed. Just not real, not real come to practice because like this guy's that much of a nutcase. Like we might have to go to the NBA PA about him, and then unprofessional, extremely <laughs> unprofessional. Whoa! Pitch Music and Arts posted a video in Pitch Music and Arts 2020. I have to check that out after the pod. Um, Anyway, Jim Boylan is a nutcase for sure, maybe a bad coach. What happens if it's, you know, like February and this team's terrible and they're like, well, fuck, now we've got to fire the coach. I'm actually, I don't hate Jim Boylan because I think, I can't remember who, but someone explained it. Also, they fired Tibbs and just hired Tibbs 2.0. But I, I just think if you're an assistant coach or like an assistant assistant, if you've just been twirling away on the bench for your whole life and then finally, like, you get your lucky break, like, Chicago's a shithole, you come in like this is your team and you just make him do suicides every day and you do this and that and then there's the rumours about the players only meeting and everyone's like, oh, fire him, fire him, he's just a nut job. Like if you've been waiting your whole entire life to be the head coach of an NBA team and you come in and everyone's like, no, nah, don't do that. Like, you know, they're not 16-year-olds. Like why would you change? And he didn't change and he said, no, this is what I do. This is, I'm trying to bring discipline to a bad team. This is my style of coaching. He comes in and he does that. And I just think like, good on him. Like whether you agree with it or not, he is stuck to his guns and he is doing what he thinks is best. And I mean, he hasn't been fired yet and you can't really tell how good or bad he is on a bad team. Going back to the coaches, it's it's hard to judge Brad Stevens when Kyrie Irving's a, a cuck. 
Um, so we'll, we'll see. Will the, I think the jury's still out on Jim Boylan, but I appreciate that he stuck to his guns and he stuck with what he believes in. Whether or not that's right, we'll find out. Yeah. But he probably won't be coaching when he's playing Atlanta in the we conference could, finals. Yeah, we could be here in a year, though, and it's like it was like obviously a bad idea um, when Jim Boylan was this much of a freak show. But look, they'll be a little bit fitter for it. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> cardio is going to be through the roof. <laughs> Wendell Carter Jr. drops 25 pounds over the fucking offseason for running suicides. Yeah, well, we'll have to see if he's L. Horford or Ed Davis as well. Yeah. That yeah. might be a big, because their defense is very bad. So that might be, Thaddeus Young can only do so much. And according to you, he can't do very much. <laughs> um, so we'll have to see if Wendell Carter can really turn the corner in the next couple of years. They do need him to be like the, the fulcrum of that defense and really kind of the, the quarterback of the defense. Kobe White and Zach Levine aren't doing it. Yeah. Yeah, neither's low marketing really. Anyway, <laughs> next question from Aless, friend of the program. Friend of the pod, Aless. Special guest. Special, yeah, one-time special guest. He asks, who wins the 2023 championship? I love this question. I love looking ahead at just what the league is going to look like. Um, and in 2023... Wow, Sean is, <laughs> Sean's got like a stack of papers and he's just like scrunching them on the table to get them all neatly... Organized. So have have you got a question. final answer by the way? Because I'm going to ramble a lot, but I'm going to. I've got four teams. Oh, I've got six. Yeah. Um. So ten. That's ten teams. That's one third of the league. So, <laughs> if you came for a precise answer, you came to the wrong place. But you should know that. By I way. have. I have a precise answer at the end. Um. Trey Young is going to be 24 years old. John Collins 25. Red Mumba, Red Velvet, Fanta Pants. Kevin Hurd is going to be 24. And DeAndre Hunter will be 24. Like that is still a very young team in 2023. Um, and obviously we said before, if Atlanta do pop, they might be able to make a swing a trade for Bradley Beal or something. That's, that's Atlanta. Then we've got the same argument with Sacramento, uh, Fox and Bagley, Bagley, the next national Stoudemire. Um, and also in 2023 is Darren Fox, the best point guard in the league after Steph, Dame and like LeBron are all sort of not there anymore with the big ball handling duties. Have you got Sacramento written down? I do have Sacramento as one of my four. Yeah, I mean it's extremely possible because you know the other young, the other young guards that you're looking at like right now will be someone like not a point guard but Donovan Mitchell, also you know like combo guard forward mm. Luka Doncic, and then it's Trey Young, and I think Darren Fox is as currently constituted in that same class with those players, and before you know the first like. Six weeks of last season, Darren Fox was the runaway leader in, you know, the the race for most improved because he just he, he was he was that much better. Also, we forget that Trey Young's played half a year. Yeah, Trey Young's season. played half it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darren Fox turned in a full, good to great season on a team that's pushing for the playoffs. And if he can take another jump like we saw him from year one to year two, like you know, into into year three, that's or even if it's just a small jump. Yeah, I. I I think Darren Fox is going to be an all-star this year. And mm. yeah, once, we're talking about this off air. Yeah, once he is, and once you know, if he does get into that kind of stratosphere, there's no reason to say that he would ever kind of come down again. Mm. And 2023, Darren Fox is going to be like 25. So, yeah, actually, something we didn't mention. This is probably crap radio if you're listening to it, but no, don't say that. Bit of positivity, uh, bit please. Of positivity. Okay, so let's let's look at the Western Conference guards. Obviously, they go by guards, not by individual positions. So Steph and James Harden are locks. Damian Lillard is probably a lock as well. So we've got how many more spots? Five? Two more spots? Yeah, so it'll be 
four guards and one and wild then, card's probably and then a, a guard. wild card. Yeah, so five so cards. we've got three: Steph Dame and James Harden. Yeah, um, D'Angelo Russell. No. He, he was a crappy all star last year. Yeah, but what a, if he's he more a, efficient? Twenty five points a game again. Yeah, what if? Okay, so we've still got two spots to fill. Yeah, um, Russell Westbrook will probably get the pity vote because he's Russell Westbrook and he dunks and gets a lot of counting stats. Yeah. So then there's one spot for Darren Fox, Drew Holiday, Doncic, Mitchell. Doncic, Mitchell. Well, it depends if Doncic gets classified as a forward or not. Yeah. But Holiday, Mitchell. I think it depends Fox. who's higher in team wins. Is well, it New Orleans the, or is it Sacramento? Well, yeah. I mean, but I mean, if if there's those three, if there's those three characters fighting for the one spot, Utah's going to be the the best team out of those three. So maybe Mitchell gets a nod. Maybe Mike Conley. Maybe. Shout out to the jersey. And Shout out to the jersey that Sean's wearing right now. Um, okay, well, back to the 2023 20, championship. Um, the Clippers won't be good anymore because both Kawhi and PG will be old and their contracts will be done by then. How weird is that? Yeah, well, maybe they re-sign. Maybe they re-sign, but uh, someone who will also be good is Philadelphia. Uh, Joel Embiid's going to be 27, probably in his prime, 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 and if that's anything better than right now, that's amazing. Mm. Uh, ben Simmons will be 25. And they'll both be under contract. Horford might be a bit of an albatross still hanging out there. Yeah. Which is sort of a byproduct of the Jimmy trade. If they hadn't swung the Jimmy trade or the Tobias trade, yes, they might have missed out on free agents, but they would have a lot more op- open options. But you can't fault them for going for it this year. Yeah, they're, they're going for the 2020 championship. They're an unlucky bounce away from the yeah. Eastern Conference finals and potentially the finals. Yeah. Um, Milwaukee. Giannis will be 27 then. Mm. That's crazy. Mm. But there is no Brogdon to grow with him because mm. all the Middletons and the Lopez's of the world, they're all closer to 30. Yeah, Lopez we assume is 30. that Middleton is, this is it. Yeah. Like, this is as good as he gets. So there's unless we find someone else that's going to grow with Giannis. Unless or they, Dante DiVincenzo comes in and just lights the world on fire. Who else are you? Who else are you got? So I've got the Celtics in there. Yeah? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, if... Um, Kellen Brown. Kemba's going to be Kemba's going to be early thirties at that point, but hopefully, kind of um, earlier in his career, Kemba got a lot of comparisons to Mike Conley, and hopefully, in the same way that he has a game that can kind of age pretty gracefully. Um, if that's the case, you're looking at already you've got point locked down at like a you know pretty good level going into the 2023 season. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown's going to be really, really good when he finally can get just a season of like no bullshit surrounding him to just go and play. Yeah, next, year, think, next year in Atlanta. Yeah, well, <laughs> we might be saying that. Tatum is is still... Um, yeah. Tatum is still like an all-NBA... Jack mid-ranges. Yeah, uh, but, I, I yeah, yeah. yeah. Tatum still has the potential to be the second best forward in the NBA in four years. Mm-hmm. And then with a whole bunch of young guys they've got, you know, guys like um, Time Lord, Robert Williams. They've got um, Grant Williams from Tennessee. They've got Romeo Langford mm-hmm. um, from Indiana. Like, Don't this. act like you like Romeo Langford. No, but I'm saying like if... He's if, young, yeah. If any of these, like you know, like they've got... You know, Carson Edwards, like if any of these like Ty... Yeah, <laughs> if any of these high pedigree young players, like you know, if two of them hit and they're like really good role players or better, then it's pretty damn good team. Mm. And you know, like yeah, yeah. Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, like I bank on that team. I've also got, I think the Clippers are still a chance. I've got the Clippers on my like final list um, because if if those players resign, like what what does that make Kawhi like thirty two ish? Paul George would be about the same. Lou Williams will probably be gone, but like dudes like yeah, Montrose Harrell, yeah, Harrell, Shamet, Zubach, 
um, the other two guard, Jerome Robinson, if he p- turns out to be like any good. But like we don't know how good those players are going to get. Maybe they grow into these roles. And um, Docker is say what you will, is still a good coach. And then the same thing I just said about Boston, like the front offense, front office, you you really really bank on them. Uh, and then I think I'm just gonna you know gonna throw it out there. Put the Phoenix Suns on my list. Oh, good on you. Yeah, pat on the back. So who who do you have winning the 2023 championship? I don't know that I go as far as a like, as a as an ultimate answer, but I probably feel the best out of all the teams that I've listed. I didn't put Philly in there, but Philly now that you've mentioned it has twigged with me that that's a pretty good pretty good. But I think the Kings. Yeah. I feel best. I feel best about the Kings out of everyone that we've talked about. Maybe tied with Philly. Well, what about someone that we didn't talk about? The Denver Nuggets. Yeah, true. Even without a Bradley Beal trade, Jokic will be twenty-seven. Jamal Murray, along with us, will be twenty-five. Michael Porter Jr. I've written here fifteen, but it was a typo. I meant twenty-five. <laughs> um, and the young bench mob will be all around twenty-seven. There'll be no. They'll be off Paul Millsap's money. They'll be off Mason Plumlee's money. They'll be off Will Barton's money. They've got all this open room to improve, uh, improve through free agency, improve through just natural growth. Like I've mentioned, there's a consolidation trade to be made. If they do swing for Bradley Beal, he'll mm-hmm. probably still be there. There's just, if they do nothing, they'll be good. And if they do something, they'll be good. There's a lot of ways that they can go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go. We're gonna go one more question. Yeah. Uh, this one's from Natalie, who, strangely enough asks do you think tony snell will be able to pull through as detroit's small forward this year well as someone who recorded a game with no points no rebounds no assists and no steals no blocks just went for a run in, for 27 yeah, minutes, in 27 minutes. <laughs> i reckon i reckon like we've spoken about before it's a great value trade um yeah well the trade yeah so the trade was tony snell and the rights to the 30th pick in this year's draft for john lua milwaukee detroit um yeah i what was the question again? <laughs> is he going to be good this year? Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> he's going to be soaking up all the three minutes when because there is no one else on that team that the, can play the. I'll three. tell you. I'll tell you who the other people on the three on that team that can play the three are. Yeah, there's uh, Bruce Brown Jr. Yeah. No, there's Luke Kennard. No, two. There's Kyrie Thomas. No, <laughs> there's Svi Mikhailik. Svi Mikhailik. No, and there's. Uh, is it fair to say? The ghost of Markeith Morris, if you want to slide him down to the three. So, <laughs> my answer to this question is, Tony Snell is not good, but neither is anyone else on this team that's going to play the three. So, very possibly. Career averages of like six, oh. <laughs> like six points a game, maybe? Yeah. He's going to be the only shooter in the starting lineup. Yeah. Apart yeah. from Luke Kennard. Yeah, well, Luke Kennard, as previously documented, like five episodes, forgot how to shoot as soon as he put on a Pistons jersey. Um, yeah. That's a very good question. Yeah, I think, yes, uh, to answer the question, Natalie, I think, uh, yeah, he'll, I mean, he'll have the opportunity to shine. He'll play 28 minutes a game, surely. And, you know, what <laughs> what he does with it, I guess we'll see. See what uh, old mate Dwayne Casey can bring out of him. He'll definitely be getting the cardio in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all from us today. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and the newly formed Twitter, and be sure to check out the blog because we're going to be posting a couple of things there this coming week. And okay, uh, yeah, read the blog. It's oh, really good. 
And also, we've started the Deep Two NBA Fantasy Podcast, which we'll share. We'll, we will share through all of our socials. Um, there's going to be 20 spots, and I think four of them are already taken, not including yourself. Yeah. Uh, so if any of you want to jump in before Dante gets in, that will be hilarious. But don't, also, if, don't you, do it. if you want to join us, uh, I'll be sharing that through the socials soon. And we've got a big... Um, now is a really good time to jump in that fantasy league because next week we've got an unnamed um, fantasy basketball guru coming on the pod to talk us through... Everything fantasy from draft strategy to managing your team to who looks hot and who looks not. So next week, stay tuned. Thank you.